Today, we are going to be talking about different types of prayers. I'm going to give you some real practical application. If you're a note taker, you might want to take some notes today. I'm going to give you a lot of lists and different kinds of uh, prayers. But, but I call this message sacred and scary prayers. Um, there are prayers that are scary. Um, have, have you ever heard of a guy named Leonard Ravenhill? Some people call him Leonard Raving Hill because he's a, he's a kind of a raver. But he said at one point, he's like a, um, an evangelist and he's, kind, he's tough too. I don't know if he'd make it at man camp. But, um, but he said, I do not believe God answers prayer. I believe God answers desperate prayer. And I believe that too. And I, I believe, you know, like the story of the, the unjust judge, he's in bed and the woman comes and she's knocking and knocking and knocking. And it says, not because of his compassion for her, but because of her persistence, he gets up and gets her what she wanted. And I think the same thing, the Lord, I believe that the Lord allows us to pray certain things. And, and we are so used to just getting our way right away, aren't we? We live in a generation where you, you order something, same-day delivery on Amazon Prime, right? We're so, I know, hallelujah. But we're so used to getting, getting things immediately. And that is just not what I have found in my experience. That is not how God works. He is way more concerned with our character and way more concerned with making us super desperate for him. St. Augustine said, without God, we cannot. But without us, God will not. He says over and over and over and over and over in the Bible that we need to ask, ask, ask. There's the if-then principle. If you ask, then. And, and I think this is so backwards because we always feel like, oh, that's, I don't, I don't want to ask. That's so demanding or whatever. There's actually one of the original Greek verbs for praying means to demand. Almost like you're so desperate for something that you're like, God, you have to do this for me. So we're going to talk about some of those, but we're going to go to one scripture today. And it's in the middle of your Bible, Psalm 139. This is one of my very favorite passages in the whole Bible. Um, I would love to do a a message sometime on the whole thing, but today we're going to just focus on the last two verses, and we're going to start with verse 29. So Psalm 139, verse 29. This is the New Living Translation, in case you're wondering. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Lord, we just come into your presence this morning. Lord, we thank you that you are the miracle worker. You are the way maker. You make a way where there's no other way. You are the God who makes streams in the desert. Lord, you are the God who levels the mountains. Lord, you're a God who goes before us and makes our path straight. You are a miracle worker. Lord, we thank you that you are constantly demonstrating your miraculous power to us. Lord, we thank you that you never lie. We thank you that you're a promise keeper and we can trust you. And you are the light in the darkness, Lord. When we, when we can't see clearly, Lord, you shine the light of your truth. And so, Lord, we just surrender to you today and ask that you'd speak to us and change us, each one of us, in Jesus' name. So the first point is search me and know my heart. 
One of the main reasons I think we don't pray is because we don't really believe we need to. And that is rooted in what? Pride and self-sufficiency. I remember when the Lord delivered me from self-sufficiency. You know, in the world, everybody says, oh, it's good to be self-sufficient. It's good to be independent. I, I was the one who backpacked for nine months by myself through Europe, you know, just traveling around by myself. And really, people in the world were, were all about, yeah, that's great. Good for you. You're so strong and independent. But then when I became a Christian and I started to realize self-sufficiency is not a good thing, that I, I desperately needed people. And once the Holy Spirit kind of started convicting me of that, I made the mistake, uh, a scary prayer, and I prayed, Lord, show me my need for people. And sure enough... Um, God showed me my need for people. I developed meningitis. And so my children, at the time I had three, they were one, three, and five years old. And I had, I had to have people come into my house and watch them and make meals and everything. And I really discovered that I was self-sufficient. But when we ask God to search us, sometimes we don't really like what we see. Sometimes we don't really want to know. Um, I love medical shows. Does anybody else like medical shows? I'm so intrigued by those. You know when they come busting through the door and they're like, uh, gunshot wound to the left ventricle, da, 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 whatever. I don't know. I can't even fake it. But, um, you know, possible spinal cord injury. You know, they're talking about all these things. And, and what is the first thing that they do when someone comes in after having been in an accident or, or some kind of emergency? What do they do? They examine the person, don't they? They take them in and they examine them everywhere to see if there are any injuries that are maybe internal injuries or whatever. And this is what this particular passage is talking about. Search me, oh God. It's saying, come into the examination room. Show me, show me what's up. And it says, know my heart. And I just want to ask, is God in the exam room with you? Or are you trying to do it on your own? Trying to figure out your own answers. Trying to figure out how to live this life or how to get healed from your pain. Or are you letting him in? Are you letting him know your heart? Because when we pray this, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. And then the next step, it says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. This is a given. We have anxious thoughts, do we not? Now, the Bible does tell us that we can be set free from anxiety through thanksgiving and through casting our cares on the Lord and giving thanks. We can be delivered from anxiety. But here it's saying, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Um, one of my favorite books is um, this book called Spiritual Leadership by J. Oswald Sanders. And there, uh, there was a passage in here that was... I just thought was so good. This is called the test of humility. Everybody ready? Everybody's like, why did I go to this church today? <laughs> I'm going to go somewhere where they tickle my ears. <laughs> the test of humility. Victims of pride are often the least aware of their own sin. Here are three different tests that help us identify our problem. First of all, the test of precedence. Now, let me ask you this. How do you react when another person is selected for the position you wanted to fill? How do you respond? Do you get ticked off? Do you get jealous? Do you diss on that person and gossip about them? How about when another person is promoted in your place? 
or what you think is your place. How about when another person's spiritual gifts seem greater than yours? I've told you this story before. My pastor, Stuart, um, when he first became a Christian, he was a, he was a pot farmer down in Big Sur. He actually lived in a cave and waited for his... This is when pot was illegal. And he used to um, live in this cave. And he, like he, had, he actually looked a lot like Charles Manson. Um, he had the big hair and the full beard and everything. And he was, he was a grizzly Adams looking guy. But um, he would go live in the cave and wait for his, his pot crop to come up so he could harvest. And, um, and he, he's such... I mean, he's so down to earth. He's just, he's such a real guy. And he said that when he first became a Christian, which I've told you this story before too, but if you don't remember, he, um, one of the things that first drew him to the Bible was he went into somebody's house. Now he was a pot, a pot dealer and, um, and someone had the Bible open to a proverb and it said, dishonest weights and scales are an abomination to the Lord. And he got so convicted because he didn't give people a full ounce. And so at that point, he repented. <laughs> said, I'm giving them a full ounce. <laughs> so, but Stuart, Stuart used to always talk about when he first became a Christian, he went to some prayer meeting somewhere. And, and there was a guy there who had the gift of healing. And Stuart said he just longed for that. And he cried out for that. And so... Um, he said that he started to pray, Lord, I want that gift. Will you give me that gift? And the Holy Spirit said, you have that gift. And he's like, cool. The Lord said, it's in your brother. How about that? See, we, we when we're on that exam table, letting the Lord search us and test us and, and try our anxious thoughts, we have to be still. You know, how many, how many of you have ever had any kind of surgery where you just like decided halfway through, I'm out of here. <laughs> when the Lord is working on us, we have to allow him to complete his work. We have to allow him to show us the things, not to ruin us, not to wreck us, not to make us uh, suffer or struggle. Sometimes, because we need that, but he always knows best. He's a faithful father. He's a great doctor. Okay, the next test. So the test of precedence. How do you, how do you react when someone else gets promoted? The second test is the test of sincerity. You ready? Fasten your seatbelts. In our moments of honest self-reflection, we often admit to problems and weaknesses, but how often... Do we feel, or how do we feel when others point out those same flaws and weaknesses? That one's rough, huh? It's like you can admit it. I, I used to be so famous for this. When, when Eric and I first got married, I was, I was so prideful. And I did not ever admit that I did anything wrong. And in my mind, I really could justify pretty much anything. I had learned through years and years and years of justifying myself. And he would just say, you know what, babe? Sometimes you're, you're a little bit prideful. I'd be like, I am not. <laughs> but when I was by myself, I would be like, yeah, I know that. Or he, he said to me, you know, like, babe, you're kind of... And he was like, ah, you know, and he was this huge guy, but he was, he was intimidated by my anger because he, he would say, well, I think I feel like you're a little controlling. I am not... Now, what does the spirit of control want to do? 
It wants to control you. So it will not let you admit it. But when you're on your own by yourself, you can admit these things. But how do you respond when someone else comes to you and says, you're a little bit controlling? Rather than saying, you know what, you're right. God's working on that in me. Do you get defensive? Do you say, well, am not. I know you are, but what am I, you know? <laughs> okay, um, the, next, the next test is, okay, so the test of precedence, test of sincerity, the third test, the test of criticism. Does criticism lead to immediate resentment and self-justification? Do we rush to, to criticize the critic? Wait, do we rush to criticize the critic? How do you receive feedback from other people? You know, sometimes God uses other people to point out your shortcomings and your weaknesses and your failures. It's not always just you and Jesus. Sometimes he wants to bring someone to you, which is why the Bible makes a case for it. It says, hey, if you see your brother in sin or your sister, go to them. Talk to them about it. It doesn't have to be this horrendous thing. It can be a beautiful thing. You know, to have someone come up to you and go, flies open. You know what I mean? Don't you want a friend like that? Don't you trust people like that when they tell you that there's something in you? Doesn't it build your trust? More so than someone who's like, oh no, I think you're super nice. Oh, I hate that guy. Right? So what are the tests? How did you do? Did, did anybody get an A plus? Pass the test? It says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Often, oftentimes our testing comes when we're in the middle of a trial. Our testing rarely ever comes when we're in a good season, unless we're being tested. <clears throat> the Lord's trying to point out that we're, that we're prideful. Sometimes, um, you know, they say that you can measure a person's integrity by how they receive praise. You know, you can tell what the person's character is by if they kind of start to buy their own press and they're like, yeah, I am pretty amazing. After all, that is another testing. But getting to the root of our issues is what the Lord is mostly concerned about. When he brings us into that exam room and starts to do these tests on us and, sh and, and to show us, to begin to show us, when there's nothing left but God, what else remains in your life? What else is it that you put your hope in? Do you put your hope in your job? Because you can lose your job. Do you put your hope in your relationships? Because you can lose your relationships. Do you put your hope in your health? Do you put your hope in your bank account? You know, I love the, the passage where it says, my hope is in you all day long. That desperate, that hope. So the third thing is convict me and change me. Psalm 139, 24. It says, point out anything in me that offends you. Wow. That, that version is different. The, the one that I originally memorized was, um, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any wicked way in me. This is basically saying anything that is, is a, an abomination to the Lord or vile or wicked to the Lord, we need to open ourselves up for three things. The first thing we need to open ourselves up when we're being examined to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We need to be open that if the Holy Spirit starts to speak something to you, don't try to deny it. Don't try to hide it. Get it into the light. 
So the first thing is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The second thing is what we talked about earlier is correction from others. Make sure it's somebody who actually cares about you, though. It's not just some random guy on the street. You're a lousy driver, you know, or something. You don't, so what? But somebody who's close to you, who cares about you, and who's probably going to be willing to walk with you through it. And the third thing is confession. So conviction, correction, and confession. Be willing to admit your shortcomings and your failures. There is no one righteous, not one, no one who seeks after God, it says in Romans. God is the only one. Jesus is the only one who's perfect. And he's saying, don't try to cover up your sins. Be open and honest about it and watch me set you free. You know, it it says in, in John 3, toward the end, it says that, you know, you... He wants us to do these things so that God can be glorified, so that we can see that what has happened has happened through God. But if we're just alone by ourselves in our little closet, you know, oh God, I know that I'm really prideful. You know, it's like, then when you get set free, then how much glory does God get? Right? It's like, God, I know that I'm prideful. Hey, brother, I need to confess to you. I know that I'm prideful. Okay? That's where your freedom starts to come. Sometimes we, God calls us to, to pray. I call them scary prayers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm going to give you a list of some scary prayers. <clears throat> These are prayers that I have prayed throughout my life. So that's why when I give you this list, um, I can tell you that they are scary, but God is good. First one is, Lord, bring me a deeper level of humility. He's really faithful to answer that one. Second one, teach me to be more patient. Anybody ever pray that? How about make me more generous? He will test you in that. He'll give you opportunities to be generous. Offended her now. She's out of here. Oh, you told her to give you money? The second one is increase my faith. Lord, increase my faith. He will. He'll put you through some stuff. Here's one. Parents or even spouses, whatever is in the darkness, Lord, bring it into the light. Expose it in the light. As a parent, this was a very scary prayer, but I'll tell you, God was faithful In those times, and I would pray, I would say, God, don't let my children enjoy their sin for a season. Bust them. (laughs) Bust them, Lord. I wanted that. I wanted what they were doing to be exposed into the light because I knew that only God could reveal certain things. So um, here's another. This is a really, really scary prayer. To pray this over someone is... This is kind of a, I would call this maybe a last resort prayer. When you pray, Lord, whatever it takes. God, whatever it takes. If your child is not walking with the Lord or your spouse or someone that, you know, you just see they're going down this path to destruction. It's a very difficult thing to pray, but it is so necessary because of the goodness of God whatever it takes. Another one, purify my life. God is very faithful to answer this. 
You pray, God, purify me. And he will start to show you things that need to be purged from your life. Here's one. Make me more loving, Lord. Because you know you're going to go through the test. You can't just read it in the textbook. You actually have to take the test. Make me more loving. God is very faithful to answer this. I always like to say that I have the ministry of character builders. I provide opportunities for people to forgive and to overlook an offense and to extend grace. I provide opportunities, so you're welcome. (laughs) Here's another one. Um, Help me to be a better servant. This one, I I remember the first time I prayed this. Um, My kids were, were really little and... Um, I was exhausted and I was feeling sorry for myself. And my husband had this job where like he was going to Ruth's Chris for lunch and I was eating Kraft mac and cheese and orange carrots and orange slices because I wanted to have a theme. Um, (laughs) And I I remember feeling really sorry for myself. And this one day the Lord was like, you need to serve your husband. I was like, what? I am serving these little kids and I am tired. <laughs> I haven't slept. I am so worn out. And the Lord was like, and so I, I did. I said, okay, Lord. I just said, please help me. Help me to be a better servant. And I meant it with all of my heart. And then he came home later that, that evening And we were sitting on the couch, and he goes, I had a rough day. Would you mind getting me a glass of water? I'm like, what? You had a rough day? Let me tell you about my day. So all of a sudden, I realized I can't even make the decision to do this. I am completely desperate for God. Even when we pray these prayers, we have to trust God is the one who's going to do this. Again, One of my very favorite verses, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. We put so much pressure on ourselves to change, but when we just surrender, and we'll get into that a little bit later, that's when his kindness leads us to repentance. When we open ourselves up, that's what the Bible says in Romans. It says his kindness is what leads us to repentance. Repentance just means to think a different way, to turn the other direction. So then the last thing is lead me. Lead me along the path of everlasting life, it says in verse 24. So those are, that's a list of some scary prayers. Now I'm going to give you a list of some sacred prayers. These are actually, um, I, and I don't mean to say this like this is some kind of highbrow church or whatever, but these are just certain prayers. And I think one of the reasons that people struggle when they pray is because they just, they're like, I don't know how to pray. Right? Anybody? Anybody, you're just like, I don't know, I just start talking and I just kind of like lose my train of thought or I run out of things to pray about. Here's a good way to kind of keep focused besides uh, just reading, praying Psalms, praying through the scriptures. But the first one is the prayer of agreement and this one involves other people. You know, where Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name as touching anything, it will be given unto them. That's a prayer of agreement. The word, um, the original Greek word is actually symphonia, which means like symphony. It's from the same word that you're praying in concert with someone. You're praying in agreement. The second one is called the prayer of petition. This one is just help me, Lord. 
This one just implies I have a need, I have a deep need, and I am helpless, and I cannot change the situation myself. This is when you, you can either pray this for yourself or for other people. The next one is a prayer of thanksgiving, which is obvious. Thank you, Lord. The next one is a prayer of intercession. Help them, Lord. This is when we pray for others. Remember, I talked last week, I said that, you know, Jesus says that the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe in Utah. There are so many people that need Jesus. There's not a problem with the harvest, but the laborers are few. That's the problem. So Jesus says, I have a solution. Therefore, go and share. Go share with the good news with people. The prayer of intercession. You cannot really expect God to save people that you can't stand though. Right? Um, when I first moved here, it was, it was culture shock for real. Because like in the Bay Area, it's a melting pot. That's where we came from. Everybody's from all over the world. And um, it was culture shock for sure. And um, I just remember one day, I was standing in line at Cafe Rio, and I saw these two women in front of me. And I don't know, they were, I would say they were a little bit self-righteous. I'm not trying to be rude, but, and I just remember just looking at them with just such disdain and judgment. <laughs> and the Lord's like, <clears throat> you're intolerant of intolerance. I was like, I am. I am. Because it just seemed like I had the right to judge them for their sin when I was doing the exact same thing, just like Romans 2 says. So praying for others. If you are not praying for your neighborhood and, and your office or your job or the people around you or your family or your relatives or the people in your sphere of influence, it doesn't have to be like this difficult thing. You know, if you're not praying for those people, how do you ever expect them to come to Christ? You know, we had a guy who um, was our, the guy who managed our coffee, uh, the espresso machine and all of that. And this week he, he tragically died in a, in a fire. We don't know. We don't know. If, someone, if it's going to be their last day. I remember there was a man who used to come to church here years ago. And I remember this one day. I was standing back by the soundboard. And he walked in. And I, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, go say hi to him. And I got busy doing some really important thing. I don't know what it was. That was sarcasm. And, and I just... I just kind of didn't get a chance to, to say anything to him. That week he died, of, I mean, unexpectedly of a heart attack. And I felt so remorseful. I was like, I felt that prompting. I felt like the Lord was saying, just go say hi to him. And I felt at that moment, it was like the Lord started to speak to me about seeing people. That I need to see people. And we need to see people before we can really pray for them. We have to be able to love them. 
You can't really win people to Christ if you don't like them. And if you don't like the people in Utah or you don't like your neighbors or you don't like your coworkers or you don't like the, your barista at Starbucks or you don't like the people at the DMV, start to pray for them and let the Holy Spirit change your heart. Let the Holy Spirit change you. Go into that exam room and let the Holy Spirit speak to you about how he views them. Because you don't know. You don't know what's going on in their life. You have no idea why they're cantankerous. You, you have no idea. They could have been abused as a child. Or they could, you know, they could have just lost a spouse or something. We don't know why people do what they do. But we, when we pray, we get to partner with God. We get to partner with the Holy Spirit in order to see people come to know Jesus. Um, the next prayer is the prayer of commitment. This is the I surrender prayer. Lord, I just commit to you. I surrender. I can't do it on my own, Lord. I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. I give myself fully to you. This is, the, this is a great prayer to pray on a regular basis. You know, I always tell people when they ask me to pray for them, pray that I could be better at da-da-da-da. I always say, I'm going to pray that you would surrender more. Not that you'd try harder. Because don't we always try hard? We're always trying hard. We're trying to change ourselves. We're trying to do the right thing. But we're called to surrender. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. This is the, the, the prayer of commitment. The prayer of consecration is, I am yours, Lord. I'm setting myself apart for you, your kingdom and for your glory. And then the last one is the prayer of faith, which is such a great prayer. The Lord loves this prayer. Lord, I believe. I believe you're going to save my son. I believe you're going to save my coworkers. Lord, I believe that you're going to get me out of debt. Lord, I believe he loves it when we believe, when we trust, and when we ask. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Show me if there's anything that offends you and lead me in the way everlasting. One of my favorite prayers is this prayer in Psalm 25. I love the Psalms. Is that clear? Is that obvious? I love the Psalms. They really sustained me. They got me through my season of grief. They got me through the darkest season of my life. I probably listened to the Psalms 80 or 90 times all the way through over and over, over and over, over and over. But I love this one. And could you stand and could we pray this one together? This is uh, Psalm 25. Starting with verse 4. On your mark, get set, go. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. Could I invite the worship team to come back up? Can we pray this prayer again? Really pray this from the depths of your heart. If this, is, if this is what you want. If you want to go into that exam room with the Holy Spirit and let him speak to you and let him change you, because we can't change ourselves. We cannot heal ourselves. Only God can heal us. So let's read this again, starting with verse four. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my savior. And my hope is in you all day long.